Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level it's level up time again, and it is also buyer showing season. And I say that because there haven't been any showings, buyers, or real estate action going on as much in the last few months. And now people are coming back in a fury. So what better time than for Katie and I to talk through the sorts of things you look for when you're taking a buyer on a showing of a property, maybe some of the stuff to be aware of, and uh, maybe a couple of personal anecdotes and stories <laughs> of things that have happened that can... The ridiculousness that can happen with buyer's showings and what to look out for, yeah. I think. Let's, let's bring some realness to it so that we're not just giving you lessons like we know what we're talking about but haven't actually seen it before. Yeah. Well, I think the important thing with buyer's visits or buyer's showings when you're going out with buyers, they're looking at more of the aesthetics, the layout, the things that they can visually see. And as an agent, you're kind of going in there looking at the stuff that they might miss. So turning on taps, looking up at the ceiling for cracks, things like that. You're almost like a pseudo home inspector. Pseudo. Pseudo. Because you're, you're obviously going to get a professional inspection for the most part, but um, you want to try to catch things early. Yeah. And the more of these you do, and it doesn't matter if you're, frankly, I shouldn't even say the more of these you do, because when I was fresh out of my courses, I probably had a greater nervousness about looking for things mm-hmm. than I did maybe in the first year after I got settled. But now that I've done it more and we've seen things go sour and the things that can happen and can go wrong, mm-hmm. uh, now there's more of a of a reason and a need there always was but now i guess i feel that there is that need to stare and look for everything yeah and the best way to know what to look for is to follow around a home inspector a couple t- or every time you do an inspection with your clients um you will learn so much in terms of what they're looking out for and and that's exactly what you should be doing when you're doing your first uh visit or uh, showing to the home yeah so i guess this is the first thing we're talking about here is the stuff specifically to look for and test and yep. keep an eye on. So yeah, what's what's one? Well, I mean, I think going into the house, obviously you, you have a lockbox, there's a code, and there's a lot that could potentially crop up when you are trying to access that lockbox. Yeah. Which That's... doesn't necessarily pertain to the home, but it does impact the... Uh, experience of your buyer. Totally. If you're trying to find the lockbox, if you can't get into the lockbox, if it's frozen, all of mm-hmm. these types of things that could come up. And we've seen lots of different things there. And it's a very different situation ver- between a home and a condo. Yes. Or like a single family residential home and a condo, um, just because of the sheer number of lockboxes. So I guess question number one is if you're going to a condo, do everything you can to establish where this lockbox is going to be and how to distinguish it among what might be like we've seen buildings with literally yeah a hundred like lockboxes. A wall full. It's crazy. 
Um, and if you're the listing agent, do yourself and all of your colleagues a favor and distinguish your lockbox somehow. Even take a picture of it mm-hmm. and send a text to to agents that are going to be showing it and so they know the exact location of it. That'll just make the entire process a lot smoother for everyone. Yeah. And so once you find it also now especially there are so many different types of lock boxes yeah you know there's numbers letters combos um sometimes it's with the concierge there's electronic ones well and the combos a lot of people have issues with the like the locker combination ones because they don't know how to use a like a typical locker lock combination um so sometimes those ones are there and it's important to know how to use them you're yeah you're gonna especially if you're going on like six or seven showings with a client in a night to six or seven buildings Mm -hmm. you're gonna see six or seven types of lock boxes so it's a no-brainer and this isn't a lesson on being organized but have it all laid out not just which ones you're going to first but the efficiency behind getting the lock box open is yeah pardon the pun it's key Uh (laughs) all right so once you're in the house you're walking in and your clients are going to start to marvel at how beautiful the house is or maybe just not even want to go in and turn right back around, which, you know, saves time and could happen. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating as hell, but yeah. if you open oh. the door and you know they hate it and you know it's bad, especially if it's one of the first ones, yeah, use that as a way to eliminate future showings of places that don't match. But let's back up. Before you get into the house, always, always, always knock, ring the doorbell, wait, because there might be people in that house. There might be people sleeping in that house. There have been people <laughs> sleeping in that house. <laughs> Which you might not be able to fix if um, you you ring the doorbell and nobody wakes up. But we have had instances where you do walk into a house. I have done a sh- complete showing on the main floor and the basement, walked up to the second floor into a bedroom, and somebody was sleeping which scared the crap out of all of us. Luckily, were they, were they clothed? Uh, it was dark in the room and there was somebody in the bed and it was, <laughs> it was so dark. It was weird. And we li- we literally like ran out of the house. He didn't wake up, but like I, you know what do you do? You've been like in their house for the last 20 minutes and then you see somebody in there. So well, I didn't want to wake him up. And if you've booked it and you have the key and you've knocked, yeah. there's nothing else you can do. No, no, no. It's, it's on yeah, the it's listing not like agent I did, yeah. or it's on the owner but for not keeping track. One thing I've learned from that is when I go upstairs or when I'm going into bedrooms, if the door is closed, I'm not swinging it open. I'm like knocking gently, slowly opening the door for my clients so that they're not walking in on somebody sleeping. Well, it's like, have you ever seen Backdraft? Do you remember that yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. You know, if there's a fire in, you touch the doorknob and if it's hot, you know, you don't open the door. This yeah. is the same idea only instead of fire, it's naked person sleeping. Yeah. But even for vacant houses or, or units, uh, they uh, the owner might have let their cousin or their friends just like put up a mattress and hang out there until Squatters. the Yeah. And so it it happens. So don't just swing open a door cuz it's cuz you know it's vacant. There actually might be somebody in there. That being said though, we've also had instances. I I remember one distinctly where people will be sleeping or people will be everywhere and they're that's just what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They're not embarrassed. They're just not going anywhere. Like you're not getting in the way of, way of their day if it's a tenant especially. Um, I remember going to one apartment that it couldn't have been more than 600 square feet. It was a one bedroom 
and there were mattresses. Did I did I tell you about? I think yeah. I told you about this yeah. one. The whole floor, the living room, the bedroom, everything was mattresses. It was like the original Willy Wonka and the Cho- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where the grandparents all slept in one <laughs> big bed together. There were like eight different teenagers sleeping on the floor, and were stepping over people because they just were like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, you know, you're like the fourth person today. Just come through. Like we're sleeping. Yeah. And so, be prepared for anything. Don't expect it. No. But, you know, and anything can happen. And it's okay to be shocked. And the one thing that's going to ring true of all these stories is when you go through this sort of thing with a client, all it does, if you handle it coolly, is it builds your rapport with your client, especially if it's someone you're getting to know. You now have this funny story to hang on to. It wasn't your fault. Use it as, you know, a way to build your relationship. Mm hmm. Definitely. But don't embrace it. Like, don't look for disasters everywhere you go because that's not going to make your experience that fun either. Right. Um, also, with lockboxes, going back to lockboxes, I mean, we could talk forever about everything. <laughs> you a whole episode on lockboxes. But you boxes. mentioned, like, it's not just the combination. If it's wintertime, especially where we are, these things can be frozen shut. Be prepared with different things that might be able to make you look like a hero when something's frozen and you can't get it open. You know, there's a lot of different tools. What are the ones that, like, we've like had de-icer. de-icer. Yeah, that's that's probably the best one to, to have on hand in the winter, just to be prepared. Yeah. Okay, so we're in the house now, and all the sleeping people are out. Yeah. So, so we a, can actually it's, it's show it. It's an empty it. house. You're walking through. I think one of the key areas or the key parts of a house is the plumbing. You want to be turning on water. Mm-hmm. You want to be looking under cupboards and making sure there's no leaks. Did you just call it a cupboard? Cupboard. Cupboard. <laughs> cupboard. Well, it's, it's spelled cupboard. I say cupboard. <laughs> I know, but where'd the T come? Cupboard. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Bert. Cupboard. Cu- cupboard. <laughs> what do you, how do you say it? Cupboard. <laughs> I have there's always, a D on the end. I have always said cupboard. Cup- I've never heard you say that. <laughs> I feel like I've heard you say that. Anyway, All okay. Right. So Daniel and I both have stories about plumbing. And so one quick thing, tip, pro tip. (laughs) Pro tip. When you're turning on the shower, turn the shower head away from you. Don't just flick it on like a boss thinking you know what you're doing. Like a How do you flick on a shower like a boss? <laughs> I don't know. There's, Boom. There's ways you can do it. Why? Why do anyway, you say that? Why? Has this I happened to you? I have been sprayed in the face with a shower because I forgot to turn it away from me or towards the shower wall. I had it facing right towards me and it sprayed me, sprayed everybody. One question with that, because yeah. I've heard the story, but... Was the shower head aiming like out of the shower? Kind of. Or were you in the shower? No, I, well, I, no, it was aiming out. It was like slightly out. <laughs> it's like the owner was like <laughs> testing you. I know. But yeah, it was, it was not a good situation. Okay. Another pro tip. Another pro tip. With plumbing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we have different tips here because I think your tip would be don't even do it. But this is what just happened to yeah. us. Um, we were doing a virtual showing and the home had a bidet. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's still something that you want to test, but I don't know how to use a bidet. <laughs> and I, I think, well, you, you haven't used a bidet either or have you? No, I've never used one. So, I mean, it had three knobs on it. I'm not about to make this a lesson on how to turn one on, <laughs> even though we figured out how to turn it on. I still don't know how. The long story short was... If you don't know what you're doing with that and you just turn a bunch of knobs, 100%. it's like one of those it's like one of those movies where like you're figuring out which wire to cut or which button to press and the whole, you know, the island blows up. 
But in this case, it was the the bum water blew up, <laughs> and it hit me right in the face in the a stream of bum glory. Water. Well, that's what it is. It's well, it's it's. I mean, I guess it's not bum water. It's water for the bum. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just water until it's well, anyway. uh, But yeah, so I guess the plumbing worked, I, but it also yeah. it wasn't so much but, the embarrassment of hitting me in the face. Yeah. Which was okay, kind of so funny. This is what I don't understand because if somebody were <laughs> to sit on the bidet like you and then shoot it up like you did. Oh, it would be like a cartoon. It would be like a, what are those called? Enema. Like, oh, I was saying it would be like a geyser. <laughs> I don't think they'd stay on the Yeah, but you know why that happened? Like I learned what? why it happened. That's not how it actually works. Did you put the pressure on first? Yeah, because then, the three oh, knobs, one of them is okay, like the it. pressure, yeah, yeah. but the other one turns the water on. It's not right. the same thing, which to me makes no sense. Because wouldn't the on just you gradually raise it? I have no it? idea. I have anyway, no so idea. the pressure was at full, and then I pressed on, <laughs> and it just <laughs> it shot me in the face, and all over the bathroom. Oh. So this, so obviously, there lesson one is know what you're doing. Right. And that's with anything. Like we'll talk well, about electrical and all that even stuff Even like also. appliances, right? Like if you don't know how to turn on an oven, don't try to do it because you're you're going to make a mistake and likely break something Burn the house or down. not know how to turn it back off. Well, and this and yeah. And number two is be aware and be respectful, obviously not to damage anything or do any harm to the home. But if you actually do that... Don't be an idiot and leave it as it is and just, you know, walk away, walk away and say, well, I'm sure there's lots of showings here. I'll just say I had nothing to do with it or I didn't Mm. know. Right. And so nothing got damaged here, but it was wet. So, I mean, we carry a towel with us. Because we've in our seen things car. in our car, it's not like we walk around no, with not, a towel, like no, around not our into neck. the showing. That's that'd be kind of, that'd be weird if you walk into a showing You'd with be a such towel a around your neck. If you did that, that <laughs> I would, like, but I don't. The towel realtor. Well, yeah, it just looks like you're prepared to like shoot yeah. yourself in the face with a bidet <laughs> or or shower yeah. yourself. Okay, and then speaking of other, like just going off of plumbing in general I had an instance where we did a final walkthrough with our buyers and the seller decided to swap out all of the shower heads they were upgraded shower heads and he put just the basic shower heads in before closing so that's just another thing to keep in mind like honestly you'll you'll see the theme throughout this entire episode is anything can happen and if it happens don't be surprised because it's probably happened to somebody else in their own career for sure. So that's, I mean, I think that's pretty much it for plumbing. The other thing, one more thing with plumbing really quick, um, in condos, especially there is what we call Kitech plumbing. It's a type of plumbing. You're not expected to be able to identify it and know what to do with it, but there are little tips and tricks to know what to look, what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the plumbing's usually yellow, oh, sorry, orange, orange and blue. Yeah. Um, so this is the pipes. These are the pipes. Not, not the water. Yeah. So, I mean, if, and it's usually uh, condos or homes that are built between a certain year. I think it's 2000 to 2007, something along those lines. Look, look yeah, at it. Yeah, so it's, not, it's it. not just condos. Like it no, shows it, up in houses. Yeah, you yeah. had one in a house as well. So, um, if that's something you can identify and look out for, um, that could save your clients, you know, thousands of dollars. Um, and maybe they decide not to go forward with the home because of that extra expense. So just something to remember Yep. when you're looking. Yep. And so, yeah. So with plumbing, it's make sure it's working. If you can identify what type it is 
And then the real reason you're checking it also is you're looking for leaks. You're looking for defects and things yeah. like that. Yeah, like faucets Pressure. leak, um, shower, like the diverter in the shower. That's something that's very common. It's a, it's an easy fix, but it's something that can go over time. Shower heads, sometimes they're leaking, those kinds of things. There's lots. Yeah. No home is perfect, but be able to be able to identify those ahead of time is really key. Bingo. Bingo also, bang. also the water and ice machine maker, ice makers on fridges. Mm. I see that that doesn't always work. It's kind of a typical thing. But anyway, check everything when it comes to when it comes to plumbing. Yeah. And so, moving on from plumbing, what would you like to go to next? Uh, well, we can talk about the other system stuff, I guess, like electrical. Yeah. So electrical's another very basic thing: turning on and off lights. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess you, there's a, a lot of times where we'll see that the bulbs just aren't yeah. working. So yeah. there's that. I mean, there's there's typical things um, that inspectors will look for. Um, there's the outlets that are near sinks, mm. if they're not the GFCI, right? Yeah, I GFCI. always get, I always say G, G, GCFI. But GCFI? No, it's ground fault circuit interrupter. You GFCI. Sound, you sound so professional. I am like... I'm practically a home inspector well, at this point. <laughs> pretty well. We inspect homes, just not professionally or with any certification. I'm just certification. not a professional, exactly. I'm uh, a pseudo home inspector. I'm practically a bidet installation guy. <laughs> not quite. Anyway, but if if they aren't those outlets, and those are the ones that have the little buttons in the middle that aren't, don't Reset just look buttons. like... Yeah, then there's nothing that's necessarily... Um, no, you just got to swap not a them huge, out. Yeah, you just need to fix them. Like, that, like those just should be there and they're not. People have been living with them the whole time, whatever. But yeah. it's something to know that's going to be a potential cost. Yeah. Um, you want to check that there's smoke detectors everywhere. You, mm-hmm. uh, It's helpful to find out what the panel box is like. There's different types of uh, circuit boxes. Wiring. Yeah, where the wiring goes. So like just the thing that's typically in a basement or in a condo, it'll be somewhere. The door with all the fuses on it. Um, there's different types. There's the older type, which is called knob and tube, which looks like a bunch of knobs. Mm-hmm. And it's not the end of the world, but it's older, not as uh, respected or powerful or what inspectors want to see. Tougher to get insurance potentially. Yeah. Um, and then you want to know how much amp service there is that's going to the box. If it is a newer fuse box, you want to know how much power it's capable of being attached to the thing. Mm-hmm. Because if your clients have plans to, I don't know, finish a basement or bring in, in different things. Tub. Put in a hot tub. Put in a hot tub. Hot tub. Hot tub. Yeah. I mean, typically it's a hundred amp service that most yeah, houses it, have, but 200 amp is a nice see 120, little upgrade. 200. Yeah. Really? I, 120? Are you one, sure? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, we're going to look it up after this. We'll put <laughs> in the notes. This. I'm Google. Uh, I'm Googling. Okay, I'm just Googling this right now. Yeah, sometimes in the basement they put the box in a cupboard. <laughs> Shut up. Um so anyway, then there's there's things that you're gonna look for. I know we've brought up before double tapping wires, which is where oh she's seeing it right now, 120. Okay, it's there. You're like, please tell it's me. There. It's there. It's, no, it's a thing. No, no. It's 100 or 200. I don't think there's 120. There's 120 volts. Is that what you're confusing no, There's it with? a 120. Okay, well. It's okay. Okay. Is there... <laughs> I'm not going to edit this out. So look, it says right there, is 120 there amp electrical service. thing as Whoa, look what comes up when you say, is there such thing? Did amp. you see the things that Google... Anyway, never mind. <laughs> amp service. 
120 volts. I don't think there's 120 amp. There is, though. No. There's 60 amp. I've seen 60 amp. No, there's not. 120 volt, 200 amp. I am right for the record. I'm sticking to mine for now. But people are going to comment. I stick to my pseudo home inspector certification. (laughs) Anyway, comment. I might be wrong, but I'm fairly certain I've never heard 120 amp service. I'm going to develop one. (laughs) I love though how you're like sitting here like you like it's like, yeah, for sure. It's 100 (laughs) percent. I'm saying 100 percent, even though I don't know. Always does this. It's so like, oh, Uh, I love calling you up for those things. That's fair. Anyway, cupboard. Whatever. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, electrical. I mean, the, the thing is though, with the electrical, you're not going to open up the panel. You're not, you're just kind of like looking for things that you can see on the surface. A home inspector will open up a panel and actually see if there's any double tapping of wires and things like that. You're not going to be able to see that without opening up the panel, which I don't recommend doing as a real estate agent. Opening up the panel? Like unscrewing the panel. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Don't go into the... Yeah, I know. But that's where you see the double tap wires and things like that. Uh, Okay. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. We're going to bring on an electrician next week and we're going to ask him all of these questions. Well, I know. know, Yeah. I mean, I know I've seen it, but maybe it was when the inspector opened the thing. I think that probably was it. Okay. Anyway. All right. Good talk. (laughs) Okay. Um, Other things. Uh, Like you're looking at the seat, like speaking of, sorry, going back to plumbing, if you go look up at the ceiling, sometimes there's water damage, Mm -hmm. um, discoloration. You want to look at that. It might just be something from before. We've had leaks in our bathtubs before where there's permanent discoloration that we haven't had the time to fix or paint down in our main level. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. It's It's everywhere. It's like a map on the ceiling. Yeah. But I mean, you just want to make sure it's not an active leak. And that's something a home inspector can further evaluate. But identifying that is, is important. Um, what else? What else? This also does speak to though when you're putting offers on places, it's highly unrecommended. Unrecommended. To, or I guess well, it's highly recommended <laughs> to ensure you put an inspection clause in there mm-hmm. because there's stuff you will not be able to see. No, no. And so this is the stuff you can see, um, but if there's you know water in the walls or if there's you know hot spots or any sort of thing that is just not visible clear yeah you're going to want an inspector to go through and say that yeah you know if there's problems with whatever you know there's a there's a laundry list of stuff that could be found yeah and so you're going through here to reinforce questions that your clients might have about the home that are more general and don't have to do with the condition Mm -hmm. but also to look for risky things and to point those out if you find them, because as much as your client might be in love with a place and they don't want to hear what's wrong with it, mm-hmm. this is your job is to not just be the person to make them sign the paper because they like the way it looks. Exactly. And it's a fine balance, too, because you don't want to walk in there and say, oh, my gosh, this layout is so horrible. I don't know why anybody would want to live here because they might actually like the layout. So you need to be like you need to be particular you need to be specific in what you're looking for and making sure they're not walking into an offer that ends up falling apart because of a you know a broken house but at the same time <laughs> broken house <laughs> but at the same time you don't want to be um you know super super picky because certain things might not be a big deal so just pointing them out right. giving the pros and cons and that's it so beyond condition things though there is the question of like functionality 
that the more of these you do, the more you'll be able to identify things. Like there might be a certain number of square footage that sounds great, mm. but when there's tons of spots that are just not really usable, like little nooks that are just there or closet space that's been stuck together in such a way that it can't even be used, which we also just ran into something yeah. like that. Or I had an instance where one of my clients bought a house and it was an old Toronto neighborhood. The It was narrow. The basement was very narrow to get down. And there was washing machine and dryer down there. And they wanted to replace it. And in order to replace it, because it was so narrow, they actually had to open up the entire wall on the main level to get it out and put on in new um, machines. So things like that. Like I would have never thought that, but yeah. now when I walk into houses that appear narrow and there's something that I have to keep in mind, even like getting appliances into the house, it's like, is this yeah. actually going to be able to work or are you going to exercise have to... equipment is the same. If yeah. you've got like treadmills, hot tubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lot... So appliances is one, another thing like, you know, you, you can test those out if you're yeah. in the house. I, I, I don't usually do the dishwasher just because or the washing machine i don't think i've ever turned a dishwasher on yeah but i'll turn the stove to make sure all the elements are working i warn my clients don't touch it because i've just turned it on i'll turn on the oven oh obviously open up the oven make sure there's nothing stuffed in there because a lot of times like a body or or like manual like i've had a situation i haven't i i almost turned on an oven and it was brand new and the manual was still in there Hmm. and luckily i caught it before i turned on the oven but you know, people, people stick like baking pans or, you know, just, you know, people, when sellers are looking for every inch of storage space to clear out their house and make it look as neat as possible, they might stuff a few things in in an oven. You never know. And there's stuff too, especially in vacant places. And we just ran into this or I did. And I think I told you where I went into a place after a showing had happened and the burner was on, on the oven. Oh yeah. Like, could you imagine? Like, so as a, if you open, turn anything on, and this obviously lights, but anything you touch, yeah, turn it off. And if you don't know how to use it, just don't touch it. Yeah. It's something that an inspector can look at afterwards. And if it's an appliance, most times you're putting into the offer that everything is in good working condition on closing. So if you identify it after the fact, then the, the seller is obligated to fix it. So don't, don't be too much of a hero if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's that's another big theme here. You know, not like I'd ever pretend I know things that I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, the less risk that you're taking that could leave you in a, in a sticky situation, the better. Which, you know, here another story talking about condos. Mm-mm. You You might have, for example, this is something that happened. You might have access to a lot of the amenities. Mm-hmm. And it's recommended that if you can get into them with your client, you should show them all the different things that are there, the pool, the health club, the whatever. Yeah. Um, and there might be separate access, be it a key fob or whatever. You need to be prepared that these things don't necessarily open, close or function the way that you would expect it to. And what happened to me a couple of years ago was there was a terrace. It was like a second or third floor terrace, which is like one of those areas where there's like barbecues and whatever. And I went out there with my client and her father and we went out and the door closed and everything was cool. Only then for us to realize that the door had locked behind us and we Mm -hmm. were stuck on the terrace outside. Yeah. And that's a pretty tough situation to be in when it's a night showing, there's nobody else out there and (laughs) we've got to get back in. So, I mean, it was, it was addressed. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had to climb down the side of the wall into an alleyway <laughs> and then back into the building through the front, which, again, made for a great story and I didn't die, so everything's good. But you really don't want to put yourself in that situation just for a good story. Although no. now, a couple of years later, it makes for a good story. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, even with in um, uh, stairways, uh, when you're like looking for the yeah. lockbox, sometimes there's lockboxes that are in stairwells. A lot of times there are. Uh-huh. And a lot of times the uh, door will lock behind you. So ask your client to prop it open for you or use a binder or whatever you have on hand to prop it o- open or have your client on the other side. So if it does lock behind you, you can knock and they can let you back in. Yeah. A few other options for you. Another thing with condos, if the unit comes with a parking spot, Mm. do what you can to go see the parking spot because we've had clients who have purchased and not seen the parking spot and freaked out at the fact that there's a big pillar or it's right on the wall or the person in the next spot has a, you know, a Mack truck or whatever, Um, you know, parking spots in condos in Toronto especially are not great, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's good ones, but... You know, sometimes a place might say it has two spots and they're a tandem, one in front of the other. Like you want to be able to know this stuff and just identify any surprise there could be and get to it before you put your put your client into a position where it is a surprise. Right. Yeah. And lockers too. Yeah. And a lot of times on the listing, you won't know where the parking is located. You can easily find that through the reports that we do get as realtors. But sometimes the number noted on the ownership is not the same as what's actually in the garage. So being in touch with the listing agent, just identifying all of those spots and knowing where to go is very important. So you can just show your client. It's super easy once you have all the information. Yeah. Um, know what you need to bring with you if you need your license. I mean, you should always have it on you, but if you're going to a building, often there's requirements. Mm -hmm. Now, especially in, you know, the COVID age, there's all sorts of requirements and things you might want to... Yeah, mask or whatever to wear. Have your clients wear a mask. Yeah. Um, The other thing with condos is if you are in a complex of multiple condos, I have had an instance where I actually went to the wrong tower in the complex. Um, Luckily, I realized it when I was unable to find the lockbox in the stairwell. But again, I looked really dumb in front of my clients, taking them to 70 instead of 80. Um, But I, I did hear from another colleague who actually ended up touring a unit that was tenanted. Um, they just let them in and it was the wrong unit mm-hmm. in the wrong building. And like, you know, you laugh about it afterwards and it's totally cool. But, you know, you might run into that s- certain person who is completely offended and it becomes more, like, it, it's not as funny anymore. So all of those things can happen. Well, and common sense too, if you go to a unit you're supposed to see and it's tenanted and they give you a hard time, mm. don't be a hero. You know, even it like even if you run into, you know, you've got the confirmation. If someone's giving you a hard time, you know, let it go. Tell the listing agent like this isn't like a well, what? no, I what they won't let you into the unit. If they won't let example. you in or whatever, yeah, like yeah. don't force your way in just because you have a confirmation. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, common sense will prevail in a lot of those things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when the owner or the tenant insists on staying at the property when you're doing your showing, that's up to them. They don't have to vacate. It's nice for them to do that, but sometimes people don't want to do that. Um, and at that moment, most a lot of buyers feel uncomfortable walking around a house, opening up cupboards and, and all that. But you know, just take your clients aside and let them know, listen, this is the same type of showing that we do when a house is empty. Um, just you know, feel free to... We, this, you're, in, you're making sure it's 
the right, right. home look for where you. you look. Yeah. So look where you want to look. People expect, homeowners expect that. And so another thing we haven't mentioned, which is arguably, it was the first thing that we've told people in the past, and this is really important. Don't talk about opinions and impressions of the unit with your client when you're in the unit because it doesn't matter that nobody's in there in today's day and age it's very likely impossible that somebody's listening or watching when you're in their unit Mm -hmm. and so there's no need to say anything other than you know point out things as you see them when we're coming to opinions save your opinions for afterwards when you debrief at the end um, take notes as you go through. We like to give our clients, you know, some paper to to take their own notes. We take our own notes and we pictures. can compare. Take pictures. Yeah. So all that is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to actually, you know, putting it into words, keep that to yourself, you know, audibly until until yeah. you leave. Yeah. So, I mean, those are just some things. There's obviously, we could go on forever, I think, on the different things to watch out for. But as I said at the beginning, if you tour around with the home inspector as much as possible, when you have the opportunity to do so, you'll learn a lot. But you'll also learn a lot through experience. Don't beat yourself up if you don't catch something. I mean, it just comes with the territory. You learn over time. Um, If you can shadow a colleague maybe if you're starting out in the industry and wanting to get some experience directly from them that's also an option to consider Mm -hmm. but there's just a lot out there use each showing you do to make you better at your next ones whether it's things you learn whether it's what you learn about your clients as you go to see more units with them yeah or just in general the experience and how best to adapt the way that you behave and what you do Mm -hmm. to make the experience better for the people that you're showing yeah one last thing is just like timing wise a lot of times Um, you're given like half an hour or an hour to see the home. I've had clients where they will take a full hour for each showing, which is totally fine, but you need to adapt your schedule to adhere to that. And if you have a few places to see, you're going to have to expect to spend the afternoon with them, which is again, fine, but knowing that helps you plan better because there's nothing worse feeling like like at a showing and knowing you have to be at another showing with another client and you're not going to get there in time. Like you need to make sure you're putting in some time buffers Right. And be respectful of the fact that you, the time you have booked is the time you have booked. Yeah. And the moment you go over, it's either the owner coming home, mm-hmm. wanting to get in their home, or somebody else who's waiting outside with their clients, who could be you, Yeah, you know, trying to get in to see the home as well. So be respectful of what you've booked. Um, and when you leave, another, it's happened to me more than once, <laughs> more than once it's happened. <laughs> You're like, oh. When you leave a place... <laughs> Put the damn key back, lock the door, put the key where you got it, lock the lockbox because you want to talk about a bad feeling. This might have nothing to do with, this really has nothing to do with your clients necessarily. Mm -hmm. But if you get home and you reach in your pocket and you're putting (laughs) your pajamas on or whatever (laughs) and the key to the place you saw at six that evening is in your pocket, assuming you haven't yet been called by an angry agent. Yeah. You know, you fill in the blanks. It's it's not a situation you want to be in. We've had it happen to our listings where people have taken the key. Yeah. Um, and been called by angry showing agents who can't get in because they can't access the unit. So mm-hmm. just use your brain. If it means slowing down just a split second with every step that you take, it's way better yeah. to do that 
than to be on to the next one, on to the next one, on to yeah, the next one. That is so important, even as you're locking up, because I will be driving home and I'll be like, crap, did, did I, I lock yeah. up? And I did, but I'm like, I'm, I'm scared. Like I've gone back a few times. Like I've been halfway home and I'm like, oh man, I need to check because I feel like I didn't lock up because I'm talking to my clients. I'm locking up. I'm not paying attention. So in that moment as like, that's a great suggestion is like almost like you just take yourself out and just be like, Hey, just hold on a sec. I'm going to lock up, make sure. Cause that's so important. Well, we are going to put together for our agents the equivalent of a 50 point inspection mm. for showings something that basically is here are not just the things you need to look for but the steps you need to make sure you take in a showing mm-hmm. so that you know you've done everything properly yeah. and that you can go you can sleep easy at night right right and remembering the key and knowing the lockbox information are part of that it's not just looking at plumbing and electrical yeah Right. It's the entire experience and what it means to your own sanity, not just that of your clients. Yeah. So there's lots to know. Like Katie said, we've covered just the tip of the iceberg of it there. That was a really long, weird sentence. (laughs) Um, 120 amp service. Cupboards. (laughs) But I hope this was helpful. It was, except for those parts. (laughs) No, I called you. you. We called each other out for them, so it's, it's all good. It's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah. I'll sleep easy tonight. Yeah. Dreaming of 120 amp <laughs> electrical panels that don't exist in <laughs> unicorn rainbow land. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so all y'all, take it easy. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the ongoing good weather. Get lots of buyer showings. But at some point, actually buy the place for them. This isn't about doing a million showings with the same person. You got lots of people to get to. Mm-hmm. So have a good week and we will see you next week.